Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I was going to say, like, the whole point of Star Wars is to get him to shoot those freaking things to kill the Death Star. You're talking about the whole design of that movie. I'm a little... Things didn't go the way you thought. No, I'm just a little... (laughs) Stallone's playing soccer? Yeah. What's going on? I'm watching this. I saw that at a very young age, and I didn't... You're coming at me hard. I'm not coming at you hard. Yeah, you are. I just don't believe her choices. Her choices are ridiculous. Give me me an emotion. Hello, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. We are on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 150 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's up? Nothing. It's weird. It's the evening. I know. We are our first primetime recording because I have a job and that takes precedence. (laughs) (laughs) You bum. But I like recording at night. We're awake. We're not tired. We're not, I'm not rushing to go pick up my children afterwards. We can relax. Well, you say you're awake we now. Can tu- I'm awake. F you. <laughs> we can turn this into a little. We can get the longer, more we do this, the more it can turn into an event. I love it. I love it. I think it's good. I think it's going to be good for us. Good for us. I don't know. How are you doing, Butler? How was your I'm, day today? I'm doing all right. My day was fine. My good. day was great. Good. I had watched one of our uh, movies earlier. It was actually nice to kind of watch a movie during the day. True, true. But what are we doing right now? We are doing the Paper Chase, not the television show, The Paper Chase. Correct. Uh, which ran for three non-consecutive seasons. Correct. But 1973 is the paper chase. As a first-year law student at Harvard, James Hart knows he's got his work cut out for him, but things get harder than he anticipated when he runs afoul of the school's dreaded contracts professor, Charles W. Kingsfield Jr. That's a little incorrect. Riot imposing, Kingsfield drives many of the lesser students to drop out, but James endures and, as if begging for more trouble, begins dating the professor's daughter, Susan. Also a little not. Well, he doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. All right. That was a well, that was it. decent, not so great synopsis. That was it. Oh, yeah. that was it. Oh, short. That nice. Was so the paper chase has a runtime of 113 minutes. It's rated PG. Production budget of I don't know because it wasn't available. Opening weekend it did. I don't know because it wasn't available. <laughs> Domestic. I don't know because it wasn't available. But worldwide was. And that was 3.6 million. So take it for what it is. It's a, it's a 1973 film. Its release day was October 16th, 1973. That's a Tuesday. So again, I don't even know if that's right. So I've got, I've got my, uh, let's just say sometime in October it came out. <laughs> Production, it's Maybe tough. it opened during like a film festival. I looked. It's, Who it's knows? said release. These older films, they're just. You don't know. Yeah. You yeah. can't really figure that out. So you just kind of go with it. Uh, production company and distributor was the same. It was 20th Century Fox. Remember 20th Century Fox? It's now 20th Century Studios. Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of like what came out on that weekend or around that time, 
like, I don't know if you've, if you've listened to our other episodes where we talk about older films, uh, this is going to seem familiar. It's not really like it is now where there's like four or five movies a weekend and you know, it's not like that at all. So what I have here is on the 16th, we had the way we were, which is the same day. Uh, the week at now, the next one, the next big movie I have that was after it was November 10th, which was the Iceman cometh. And then after that, you're looking at December 5th, which was Serpico Al Pacino film. And then the week before or the yeah, a couple of weeks before the October 2nd, you had Mean Streets, the uh, Morty Scorsese film. So, again, older films back then come out differently. They they they're in the theaters longer. They're, there's not as many films. It's just it is what it is. That's how it is back in the day. I didn't know Mean Streets was that old. Oh yeah, that's just. I, I might not be his very first, but it's his first one that when people the big movie. Yeah, man. yeah. This movie was written and directed by James Bridges. It's based on a book by John J. Osborne Jr. So Bridges has uh, directed The China Syndrome. I believe he wrote it too. Urban Cowboy, Bright Lights, Big City. He's also done September thirtieth, nineteen fifty-five, and Mike's Murder. Do you know what September thirtieth, nineteen fifty-five? What the significance of that date is, Butler? I do not. In film history, that is the day that James Dean died. Ah. but the movie is about a kid who learns that James Dean dies. And then he goes on this like riotous rampage in that day. And that's, that's, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, the book, I said the book uh, was based on, uh, this was based on a book. Excuse me. Uh, Osborne also wrote a lot of TV episodes for the paper chase when he went to TV. His first book was called listen to the marriage. I think he had about five or six books in total. Cinematography was done by Gordon Willis, who was nominated for two Oscars, one for Zelig. And the other for Godfather Part Three, which I assume means that they didn't nominate him for one and two, and they were just like, okay, let's give him the nomination for three. But he didn't win. He's also done all the President's Men, Presumed Innocent, The Devil's Zone, and Clute, just to name a few. Uh, cinematographers uh, who are into cinematography know who Gordon Willis is. I was having a conversation with uh, my buddy about Willis today, uh, about how he was like, um, like the father or the forefather of you know the kind of the dark and gritty nature you see now. Uh, he does a lot of stuff in dark, in shadows. Um, obviously, if you know The Godfather, that's all him. He's right. a very naturalistic cinematographer. Um, if that's what you're into, I suggest you check out his work. Composer was John Williams. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Uh, he's done anything Spielberg at this point, Superman and Star Wars, and uh, name a few. He's everywhere. Harry Potter. Edited by Walter Thompson, who was nominated for an Oscar for The Nun Story. He also did This Above All and Behold the Pale Horse. You are produced by Roderick Paul and Robert C. Thompson. Paul has done primarily TV films, TV movies. Thompson has done the movie The Cowboy Way, which Woody with Woody Harrelson and oh, I'm blank. And Woody Harrelson, who was the other guy in The Cowboy Way? Oh, I'm blanking. Oh, Woody Harrelson. I can't believe I'm blanking. Not McConaughey. No, that's too young. You know what The Cowboy Way is, man? It's when these two cow. Oh, Kiefer Sutherland. When these two cowboys come up to New York City. Because one of their their sister or their brother or their friend was murdered and they're just trying to and they're riding horses in New York City. You've never seen that? Uh, I, I might have seen an image of it, but yeah, yeah. I've never seen Kiefer it. Sutherland, Woody Harrelson. It's not it's all right. Uh Thompson has also produced the TV show The Greatest American Hero. So believe it or not, I'm a walking, walking on air. air. I never thought I could be so free. Mm-hmm. I think it's feel. 
Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. Nice. <laughs> now let's do the George Costanza uh, phone message. Do you remember that? Uh, Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Leave a message at the beep. I must be out or I'd pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. There you go. I can't believe you don't know that. I can't believe I know that. I, I remember. I just didn't remember all the words. Like There's a possibility that whole thing could be cut, but if it's not, awesome. Uh, Timothy, oh, that, that ain't getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Bottoms as James Hart, the, uh, the, the lead character. He's in the Last Picture Show, uh, the movie Elephant, and Johnny Got His Gun. Lindsay Wagner as Susan Kingsfield Fields, if you will. No relation, obviously, because there's an S. She is more notably known as the Bionic Woman on the TV show, The Bionic Woman. She's also in the movie Nighthawks, and I don't watch this show. I know you kind of did on Sci-Fi. I watched on the first season, Warehouse Thirteen. She had like a six-episode stint on Warehouse Thirteen. I don't know. Did she? You, yeah, I watched some of Warehouse Thirteen, yeah. but yeah, not a lot of it. I think you watched more than me. Oh yeah, John Houseman as Charles Kingsfield. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for Julius Caesar. He's also in the 1964 movie Seven Days in May and the 1975 movie Rollerball. But he actually won the Oscar for his role in this film, Whoa. The Paper Chase. Is he in also? Uh, three nights of the condor. He is. Which we did three days this. of the condor. Three, of the three condor. nights must be the sequel yep. I'm aware of. Three days of the condor, <laughs> which we did on this uh, podcast. He's also in the fog. I didn't realize he was the guy in the beginning. Of the I fog. saw that. Yep. Yeah. And if you are a child of the eighties, he's from the Smith Barney commercials. Do you remember those commercials? No, you went over this when we did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I used to always stupidly think it was the EF Hutton commercials, but no, it was a Smith Barney. Smith Barney. They make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. <laughs> Watch those commercials on YouTube. They're funny. Anyways, Graham Beckel as Franklin Ford. He is from LA Confidential. Chud. Uh, do you know what Chud stands for? Uh, creatures. Uh, fuck. Oh. I used to know what it meant. I think it's uh, cannibalistic humanoid underdwellers. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, he's also in Brokeback Mountain. James Naughton as Kevin Books. Uh, he is in the First Wives Club, The Devil Wears Prada, and Cat's Eye. Edward Herman as Thomas Anderson, not to be confused with Mr. Anderson from uh, The Matrix. Uh, yeah, Matrix. <laughs> yeah. He is in Overboard, The Munsters, obviously, and the 1974 film The Great Gatsby. Uh, Craig Richard Nelson as Willis Bell. He's in Three Women and a Wedding. And then David Clennon as Tombs. The only reason I have him here is because he's the dude in The Thing. I always remember from there. He's also mm -hmm. in Gone Girl and Syriana. So it's not a big cast. It's a relatively new cast in terms of this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and I gave you like, there's a, the five friends I gave you was Hart, Franklin Ford, Kevin Books, Anderson and Bell. They're all kind of like study group buddies. So Well, not study uh, group. People. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, not really they're in a study group together. Yeah. So as I said, this movie, Houseman won Best Actor for, or Best Supporting Actor. I'm not, no, Best Actor. Best Supporting Actor. Best Supporting Actor. Uh, he won it. It was also nominated for Best Sound and Best Adapted Screenplay. And uh, we'll get into some other stuff in terms of Houseman and, and uh, you know, other facts in the movie. But Butler, we um, it's been I had never seen this. I know you had never seen this. Nope. So we probably both I'm interested in both of our takes and the differences in our takes and, and whatnot. Um, I have talked too much, so I'm going to let I'm going to leave the floor to you and you tell me kind of your initial thoughts about the film and then maybe I'll, I'll filter in. My initial thoughts on the film is who is this film for? It's clearly for law school students. This film has no plot whatsoever, uh, really, to speak of, or very thin plot. It's basically just here's this kid's first year at law school. Don't you know the exact way he feels? It's like, no, I don't. I don't connect with this character at all because he's it's going through a very unique experience. And I think that it's 
it really is geared toward law school students that I don't think they do a very good job at bringing anyone in who who might not have had that same experience. I think it is a very well done movie. I think it's very well acted. I think Timothy Bottoms does great as Hart. But I also think that I don't relate to him at all because I don't understand what he's going through. And he's not really going through much because he both simultaneously gets it and and kind of is having a, a more or less easy time of it than the rest of his students. But also at the same time, talks about how he's losing his mind. And I just think that story wise, I think it's a well-made movie, but has a very light, I guess, story to to go by. It's just something I couldn't really connect with. Okay. Uh well, Osborne actually wrote this film as a third-year law student in Harvard. No shit. Okay, <laughs> so that makes sense what you're saying there. Uh, you know what? I usually do this towards the end, but since you talked about who's this movie for, let's go into some uh, critics' reactions. Uh, so Vincent uh, Canby wrote that the film goes slowly soft like a waxwork on a hot day, losing the shape and substance that at the beginning have rightfully engaged our attention. It takes a long while for the paper chase to disintegrate, and there are some funny intelligent sequences along the way, but by the end it has melted into a blob of cliches. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jay Cox says that this movie has some incidental pleasures and insights and a great deal of silliness. Do you think there's a great deal of silliness in this film? I think there's a little bit of silliness in there that like wouldn't necessarily happen, but for the most part. eh. Yeah. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you one last one. This is somebody who liked the film. This is really, this is really the only serious flick about law school life. It's brooding and intense, perfectly capturing the dynamic between law professor and student. The movie is worth watching just for actor. John Houseman's Academy award winning performance as professor Kingsfield. Every school still has a professor that knows how to absolutely terrify the one else. And this is from Richard the Hammer Helmholtz from, uh, I believe he's in from Chicago. It's from a Chicago paper. It's an old, these are older. Sounds like someone who went to law school. Yeah. So, uh, I, again, it's, that's I understand what you're a saying. Very niche market there. Yeah. Um, I think when I, as I was watching this film, I, I thought it was slow to start and I had a really tough time to kind of engage and get into it. As it went, I started to, I started to dig a few things. I started to, you know, engage a little bit more with the characters. I, I really kind of like how it started off with your title character, just getting embarrassed at the beginning of the movie. Whereas sure. kind of what I'm used to now, or what maybe modern filmmakers, excuse me, film goers are used to now is, you know, you, you see the villain or the professor who's the, the, the antagonist dressed down like a weaker person and then, you know, it's and then the protagonist steps in. But this is actually the protagonist and he has to come back from that, which I thought I, w- I, I thought that was very interesting in terms of Hart's character. And you always think he's down, but always comes back. He's determined to do well. You think he's the weakest of the bunch, but he's the strongest of the bunch. See, I don't think they do a good job at that of showing him as the weakest of the bunch because sure. I think he picks himself up pretty quickly. OK. And then always just complains that he's the weakest of the bunch. Well, he definitely has a lot of uh, self-esteem issues, he's which I'm sure yeah. a lot of one L's or first law, your law students don't, have. Don't call That's him I'm just going by the thing. <laughs> We're going by the terminology. <laughs> this is how we, this is how we speak, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm sure that that's something that is rampant throughout first year law students. Uh, low self-esteem. You know, doesn't don't believe in themselves. Sure. I mean, I got a very towards the end, obviously, when you had the character of um, books, who try that? You know, he he say he tries to kill himself. You never see it, right? But I got a very dead poet society vibe going on at some For point. Sure. You know, with the even though these people were friends, the study group people were friends, but they're not friends. You know, they're they're 
bickering and, and, you know, they kind of break up a little. A couple of them are friends, but the rest of them are kind of just these inhuman, like, just. Well, you're talking about Bell. You're talking about Bell. Bell for sure. Yeah. At first you get the idea. I mean, Tom Anderson is kind of that way, but he, he is friendly. He's just kind of a snooty douche. Yeah. Uh, and, and Ford is definitely Ford actually appears that way at the beginning, but Ford actually lightens up pretty well toward the end. And kind of opens up to the group. Right. I think becomes more of a friend to everybody. He's Ford is heart. It's almost like Hart's a leader about in terms of because he's the he's I want to say he's the smartest. He's the ones who worked hardest. He's the smartest. He's the one that, you know, he leads by example. Ford is somebody I think who would lead by, you know, leading men, like being somebody who take charge, get everyone together. He's the one that forms the study group. He's the one that gets everyone to rally around him. You know, it's stuff like that. And when like at the end, when Hart goes to Ford, it's like, I'm getting out of here. Everyone's cracking. Do you want to come with me? He's like, absolutely. Like he, you know what I mean? Like I think yeah. he's, so they're two leaders in different ways. And I think the poster, you, if you remember the poster, the poster's got like, is he could be the president of the United States, like a state or yeah. a drop. I think that's very true. I think you have, you have a men who are, or people, not just men, because there's women in the class, which not until an hour and 40 minutes in, does you, you realize there's a woman in the class because she answers a question. I saw they're peppered throughout they the class. They were in, but, but they, yeah. they weren't they had any voice. There's no woman who had a voice. But uh, they're, they're, they're people that could be these leaders. They're at the precipice of greatness. Right. So, so one say. of the greatest law schools in the country. Or yeah. they're going to be complete failures because they're going to flunk out. I think yeah. that's I think that's um, a valid point to make on the poster. And when you're watching the film, you get that because they're so because Bell comes off as. He's the big guy. He's he's, a, he's always ripping. He's calling everybody a, a pimp. I don't know why. I hate that. Yeah. The whole thing of just like pimp. Say pimp one more time. Say pimp one more time. You pimp. It's so, like I can't think of a better swear word like but, pimp. Come like, on. Well, but it's PG. Sweet so sauce. I think they couldn't go. I think they could. They would want to go R because there's no PG thirteen at this point. I think even people in 1973 would go pimp. What are you even like? You're a pimp. You're all pimps. But then at the end, he gets his come up. And he's like, come on, help me out. I've got my, I've got my outline here. Yeah. He just drops it. 800 pages. That's or awesome. I was I'm like, going to yes. publish it. It's better than the, it's better than the course. <laughs> I'm, here I'm going like, you wrote all that. Why? <laughs> There's got to be pages. You're just scribbling. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Susan's character? Because they make a big deal out of her in every synopsis I read for this, that she is the daughter of Kingsfield, but it doesn't ever really really matter it doesn't um there is no you get the sense that he knows that they're dating or he doesn't care right i don't know and because there's a time where he's he's calling on everybody in the classroom around heart but not heart right and you get like he knows he knows and like you never really get that does he know you don't know who knows maybe we're supposed to think he knows i don't know um she's all right she's just uh I don't know. I, I, she's, he's, you know, it, is there some, are they, they're going to be together after this? Probably not. You know what I mean? It's like a first year law. Yeah. Love. It doesn't really seem like they don't really have much chemistry. Right. I don't, like, all he does is talk about school and her father. Like she says, I don't want to hear about my father anymore. Right. But then she, that's what she talks about too. And it's just like, okay, all you do is complain to her. And that's all we get. Like all she is, is a sounding board at, for the audience for him to complain to the audience. Almost. Right. And she doesn't, she doesn't want to hear about her father. She doesn't, you know, she presents her dad, but she's living with her dad right now because her, her marriage is, is falling apart and right. she's her father is her divorce lawyer. So he is setting up her, 
her case. Her case. Like so she's reliant on him. So it's not, she's kind of uh, an un, uh, untrustworthy. You can't really trust her character. But the thing is, she doesn't set him up. There's nothing where, where she sets him up or by being with her, it loosens, it lessens his relationship with Kingfield. He's imagining the whole relationship with Kingfield to begin with, possibly. Mm-hmm. And in the end, she leaves him twice. There's no within the within this two hour movie, she leaves him twice. And at no point is he banged up or or heartbroken about it. He goes about his studies. He goes well, about his day. It doesn't really seem to affect him. He does call her a bitch in the beginning. Like he's like, Oh, you're a real bitch. And like, you know, and then he's like stalking her, like sitting out standing outside her house. And right. He does get a little bit it gets a little in uh kind of like there's friction there. Like they're like, but like, it's weird. And then they're back together. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I don't understand about it. What I understand, and this is a nitpick probably, but at the end of the movie, cause the end of the movie is mirrors the book where he wants to know his grades and then he gets the envelope that has his grades in it and he makes it in a paper envelope, airplane, he throws it into the sea. Cause stupid. Cause he doesn't care. But he doesn't it's, care. It's he not does. about that. It's about the learning. It's about learning, but whatever. My question is where house are they? Are they at her house? That's her house in the Hamptons. Okay, so how is she getting mail for him? I was wearing the exact same thing. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Within weeks, probably, of leaving yeah. school. Make no sense. No sense. And I, and I was like, this doesn't, I don't understand this. I don't, no, I don't I think understand the same this at all. Exact thing. Uh, yeah, so, and, and again, another th- and, and again, we're talking about how she hates her father, but she's at their house in the Hamptons. That ain't her house. That's his house. That's she's her using father's that house. Money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the whole, this, I, I hate that at the end, he takes his grades and he throws them like, you say it's only about the learning, but it's not about the learning. It was about the grades the whole time. It was about succeeding and 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 passing that course. Yeah, but he gets a general. Uh, he has a general love and a, a affection for Kingsfield. Like he loves being, he, especially when he reads Kingsfield's own notes in the library when they sneak guess, in. They're just like my notes. Yeah, he. I think he really respects the fact that how Kingsfield is his the, the breadth of knowledge and learning from him like this movie's about sure. this movie's about education honestly this movie's about the joy of learning and that's what it is like he just loved that he could be under this guy even though this guy was like a terror and he would have that famous line where he tells him you're, you're a, a son, son of a bitch yeah, King, and that he's like the first intelligent yep. thing you've said exactly and so <laughs> and like at that you know at that moment he's like yes i am it's like you have the you know you have to speak up like that's the whole thing in the beginning of the movie speak up i can't hear you if you're going to be a lawyer speak up yeah speak you gotta up. Speak up court. but that's the thing is you never get they set up kingfield to be this antagonist this but he's not a, which also i kind of like because they don't also i understand kingsfield because we've all had those professors if you went to college or sometimes high school have those kind of overbearing teachers that are just good teachers, but they're, they're dicks. They're there to not be your friend. They're there to teach you. Exactly. And at no point did I get the sense that, you know, this guy wasn't a good teacher or was a bad guy. Yeah. He just do the work kind of a guy. What did you think of Houseman uh, and and in general? Obviously people love him in this movie. I think he did a great job. Yeah. Did I think he did Academy Award winning performance? That's what I'm asking. I don't know. Who was he? Who was he up against? <laughs> oh, I don't even look. I only, I only do that for the losers. I, don't oh, do okay. for the I can. Oh, man, you're going to make me look. Hang on. What, what year was this? 1973. <laughs> so the 1974 Oscars. Yeah. Because I, I just don't think. I think he did a great job, but I don't think he did an Academy Award winning job. Like, I don't think there was anything above and beyond what he did. Okay. You tell me Serpico came out, what, two months after this? Serpico 
Well, Al Pacino and Serpico. Come on. Well, you're not even gonna know that these these other people in the. No, in the uh, no, I'm saying like I don't even think you're gonna know, um, who these people are. Let me or oh, who, what, what are the movie? Got nominees. Then that doesn't matter. Then what I say. No, 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 no. We're gonna do it now. <laughs> We're gonna do it. Okay, let me look it up. So you had um, you had Jack Guilford for Save the Tiger. You had Randy Quaid for The Last Detail. I've seen okay. that. Vincent Gardenia for Bang the Drum Slowly. Okay. Houseman for the Paper Chase. And Jason Miller for The Exorcist. That's the younger priest. Oh, wow. He was nominated for that? Yeah. Ah, good for him for a horror movie. Uh, Quaid is the only one I really know. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, uh, other than the, obviously The Young Priest. I don't think The Young Priest was good, but I don't know if he I was. I think like, he was. Young, he's, he looks young in this. I'm right, assuming yeah. he's The Young Priest. Yeah, he's The Young Priest. But uh, I don't think Houseman did anything that was like above and beyond. He just played the stuffy teacher, which I've seen hundreds of other stuffy teachers come before and after him in films. It's just right. like he's not the first one to play it and he isn't the last one. And he wasn't an actor by trade. Like they, this was kind of like his first, was his first movie, but his first big film or something. He had done like one that. before. Yeah. He was Bridges, the writer, director's mentor and teacher prior to making the film. There's different, there's different notes about how he became, he got this role. This role was initially offered to James Mason, Gregory Peck, Melvin Douglas, Sir John Gilgood, Paul Schofield, and Edward G. Robinson before he was given the offer to Hausman, and they all passed. But then I have a note that says, AFI says that Hausman was only approached to play Kingsfield after East Coast locations were decided upon and producers visited the Juilliard School of Arts looking for actors to cast as students because Hausman was there. He has an acting program there that he runs. And that's, wh- and that's where they got into Hausman. So was it that? Was it that Bridges knew him? What, you know, like that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah. there's all different stories but this is something i found fascinating that i did not know that john houseman was an assistant to orson wells on citizen kane and he also was an editorial assistant and contributing writer and wrote lyrics for a song for the movie and he produced the war of the world's 1938 radio show which i thought was fascinating and awesome I was like, yeah, wow. Like, I just always know John Housen from the Smith Barney commercials <laughs> and this in the show because he's he reprises his role on the Paper Chase show, which had one season on CBS and three on Showtime. Right. Um, but uh, I thought that was awesome, the Orson Welles stuff. I thought that was fantastic. That's know. really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he would like, like Orson Welles are doing Susan Kane. Housen, I need some, write me up some stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's just, <laughs> uh, that's phenomenal. That's fantastic. And they still have contributing writers to this day that now are getting recognized. But that's awesome. I thought that was an awesome, awesome note. So if you take anything from this podcast, it's that I like that note. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you've talked about stuff you didn't like, and I'm sure there are more. But give me some stuff that you really enjoy that you didn't think you'd like. Or maybe that surprise that you were like, oh, wow, that's, uh, I like that. Nothing. <laughs> like I said, I like, I like Hart. I think he's the only real human amongst them. Uh, in a way, although I think some of his choices don't seem to make sense. I like the story with um, with Kevin. I think that's a really interesting story. I think that's a more interesting story. The stuff where he's cracking under pressure. He cracks under pressure. Yeah. He's got the photograph. I love when he loses it. You know, when he finds that his wife's pregnant. He goes, you know, I can make you a grasshopper. Maybe a Mai Tai. Yeah, Man. I can make them. I, I, that's the only bar I'm ever going to pass. I read it once. I read it once because he's got the photographic memory. But he can't analyze. He can't pick it apart. He can't. Yeah, he, he doesn't have reading comprehension skills. Or something yeah, like that, yeah. And then, and then he's, he's like, he wants him to leave. Yeah. yeah. He, then he starts breaking up, crying, and he's like, I tell him to just leave. Yeah. 
Uh, and then he comes hearts late for his p- birthday party. He comes he in, forgot about it, forgot about it. And he's already an hour late or two hours late. No one else in the study group wants to go anyway, because they're not friends. Yeah. And uh, he shows up and he tried to off himself with a rifle. But with a, with the, was it the rifle or did he have a, a gun? Like a regular? No, it was a rifle because she hands him. But they you never, don't ever see it. You only see the stock yeah. of the and rifle. They, yeah, and that's the thing too. They never showed how he attempted. Like, I kind of wanted to see how did he attempt to kill himself? Like what uh, actually happened? And then she walked in on it and he couldn't do it? That's what I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Here's my other question. Did they only take one class? Do they not have any other classes? You just don't see it. But no, they all take in different classes. Each study group has to present outlines from other classes. Okay. All Hart right. was doing contracts, which is what Houseman taught. Okay. okay. Other ones were criminal law. But um, you never saw those, those other classes. You never saw the other classes. Which I, teacher. Do you think that would, did you like that choice? I do, because I think that would just spread it out too much. I don't need to see the other teachers. Gotcha. You know, then you're, then that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. This at least keeps it concentrated within one thing. Mm-hmm. How about at the party when, um, he first sees Susan and they go outside to talk and then she walks in and like, there's like all these creepy dudes just kind of like staring at her as she walks in like, guys, relax, <laughs> calm down. All right. All right. One lady, one lady. Did you like that seating chart? I thought the seating chart was interesting. Like, am I to believe that Kingsfield's the type of person that gets pictures of all the students, it cuts them out as, as he's doing like a paper mache and Paste them on this giant on thing. Chart? Yeah. No, I don't believe that he's doing that. I, I can't see that happening. Yeah. I, I, but then again, I don't know how things were in 1973. Maybe somebody makes that for you. I would like assigned seating in my college. I know that we should have a, TA a lecture yeah. class. You said where the hell you wanted to. Do you think they had TAs in the seventies? You see some TAs handing out the, uh, mm-hmm. the booklets and stuff. And I imagine for sure there were TAs for uh, master classes like uh, law school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So this took place at Harvard, but most of the campus scenes were shot at the University of Toronto. Uh, Harvard only gave them three days to shoot stuff because Harvard had a bad experience when shooting when the love when Love Story shot on their campus. So they were like, "No, we don't want anything here." So technically, you're watching the University of Toronto a lot of times uh, on the screen. How did you think it looked uh, visually? Not just the room. Uh, the, the the dorms like what was what did you think of I mean you can get into a little Gordon Willis but what did you think of how it looked visually I think it looked fine I liked uh, I mean it was darker like a 70s film it's very natural uh, very naturally lit I think that the I liked that the lecture hall wasn't nice it wasn't ornate mm-hmm. you know a lot of times you see like Harvard or Oxford and it's these super ornate lecture halls that you're pretty sure like eh, I don't think a lot of these exist this is a movie set this is lived in. This is this is used, whether it be the University of Toronto or Harvard. Like I just thought it actually looked like they went to a school to film it and didn't just build something brand new. It looked right. like it had been used before. It's a yeah. The dorms were nice because they were dorms. They were small little boxes. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was nice because that's exactly what a college dorm is. In all these other movies, you get enough room to move around, have parties. It's like they're a box. Even yeah. if you have parties, you're you're squished with everybody. Oh, you're, in the, you're, was, in the, yeah. you're in the basement with your red solo cup. Yeah, that's that. I Sweating, like the look of the dorms here. Smelling, trying. You're trying to look good for a, a, a potential mate, but you look like crap and you, and you hate it. <laughs> Welcome to college. Uh, this was a much different Harvard Law School than the one in Legally Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wanted. So I asked you how it, what it looked like. And, um, so Willis shot this movie in anamorphic format. Because, quote, he wanted uh, the schoolroom and because of the schoolroom and the graphics in the film. But he also says that about the composition of the scenes between Houseman and Bottoms, which is Hart and 
uh, Kingsfield was that related to who had command of the situation. We used huge close-ups of John and demeaning shots of Timothy. Then as the movie goes along and Timothy begins to get on top of it, you'll notice the shot sizes begin to diminish on John and begin to get a little bigger on Timothy until finally they are equal partners shooting back and forth. And you can definitely see that when he tells him he's a son of a bitch. Like that's where you see it. Yeah. Cool. That's a full on close up. Right. Right. Um, I I think it's very easy to dismiss the look of the film. Not that you did this. I'm not saying you did. I think very easy for people to dismiss the look of the film because you may think it's not exciting looking but gordon willis knows what he's doing with his camera angles and there's scenes in this movie and one of the things i think of is when it's at night and it's dark and there's silhouette on the porch and they're talking to each other and you see the guy and you see the philip in the background and the yeah. like that's a great looking scene there's stuff he does within the darkness that was not being done back then at all and obviously it's a much better better out because cameras are better now and lights are better now. Right. All that stuff. But if Willis was was around now and had the, the tools that all everyone else had now, he would be light years ahead of what you see on screen. I want to make sure people understand that, you know, it may look natural. It's like that's Willis's style. But Gordon Willis is a fantastic cinematographer. And you see that, especially with his quote in terms of how we layered shots like we talk about. I know we talk about this all the time. Uh, when you're watching films and you're watching movies that every shot matters in a movie right? and, and it should matter. And when shots, when directors and, and filmmakers are doing stuff and they're not really giving attention to shots and shot looks and what they're trying to say within the frame, you get a sloppy movie and you feel it. You may not understand why you don't like the movie, but that's why. But like when you get to a movie and everything matters, don't you don't think Quentin Tarantino thinks about Carantino thinks about every single Look on a film, every single frame. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what goes into these movies. Because you think about these movies for eight months before the shoot. So I think that it's, uh, that's, so that's something that within this film. And when I read that note, I was like, awesome. That's, that's, that's an awesome note. I like that. Um, I, I definitely saw that. So, uh, you know, I get what you're saying in terms of your criticism of the story. And I, and I agree to some extent. I, I also think that that criticism uh, is is valid, but it's also I don't wonder if we're just too young for that to understand. You know what I mean? The early seventies and filmmaking, but also school and stuff like that, and and what the story they're trying to say, the drama. But I understand. I absolutely understand your criticism. I mean, I think that you know we know somebody went to law school and he Joy? always talked about his experience there. He's a liar. But you know <laughs> he might watch and go, oh yeah, that's exactly what it was like. But I don't know that. And I think very few people know. I think it's it's not only maybe of the time, but a very specific subset of of education. Well, I know who you're talking about. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's the Bell character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that. They're all pimps. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the experience of a law school student is different than what most people experience like you and I would experience. Oh, sure. College, or just even like somebody going to medical school, maybe. I think it's a very different. Yeah. Well, yeah, Subset. it's not it's, it's so specific. Right. It's not a college. You're it's a college, but you're in you're in law school, so right. you're there for a reason. You're medical school, school. You're there for a reason. You're not there to like get your first two years of core curriculum to like a regular college. Absolutely, but it's it's. I think it's niche. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah, no, I can see that. I, but I also think we talked about this when we did Michael Clayton. The that there is a dearth of adult dramas now, and there's, sure, there's yeah. no hunger for it. Yeah. So something like this, the Paper Chase, is it probably would be a series if they redid it. Obviously it became a series after the fact, but yeah, it's very, but it's definitely something that lends itself to TV. So, I mean, I wouldn't be 
angry if somebody said like i want to do something like the paper chase or the paper chase uh, for now updated for modern audiences but as a tv show sure i just think that there needs to be more in there to bring me into it bring like this is very like there's a wall that i can't get past in terms of not having gone to law school and i, I understand it needs to maybe the tv show did that better uh maybe the hypothetical tv show you're talking about would but something that would make me want to watch that, something that would make me interested in that, much in the way that medical shows kind of show you the life of them, or or certain law lawyer like procedural shows that you really like would would bring me into that. Well, the story, if if you don't come from that background, you're obviously not going to understand a lot of the things that the the, the characters are experiencing, obviously. But right. it's the story's responsibility to make sure to try exactly, to get you to yeah. buy in. Yeah, and you know maybe it just it maybe it this type of story needs a longer format to do that you know sure. like er like like if er was a movie you right know, we're really i'm sure well, they can only focus on a few characters and everyone else is kind of like going to fall off the wayside right but the fact that tv show like er goes on for eight seasons you're invested in these characters for 20 something episodes a year you start to feel right so get, yeah it, get it, it, exactly so may it maybe was a story that lent itself better to the small screen or more episodic yes yeah. and that's probably why it lasted for at least four seasons three on showtime I never watched the show. So, I mean, it was too, it was before my time and I never, not something I'm going to go back to or go to. So, right. Indeed. Are there any lines in the movie that you liked other than other than pimp? Yeah. I like, I like the one. One of the ones I enjoyed was when they're in the hotel and the manager's trying to get him out. And he's like, put him on the phone. He's like, will you just, I gave him a message. Tell him that shipment of dope just came through and we're holding a special brand. And they turn on the water again because they had to turn off the water. See, that's the part where I thought it got, it got a little silly. I thought that was a little silly. Okay. You didn't like the silliness of the. Uh, I didn't think it was necessary. Okay. Um, I mean, these are supposedly some of these things are taken from stuff they did back in, in law yeah, school. Yeah. I like, I mean, I, I like when they're all fighting in the, the study group for the last time. Mm -hmm. And then Hart just goes, shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> like, that's kind of what I, like, I think everyone watching is thinking of the whole time watching these nerds, you know, just banter and talk nonsense to each other. It's just like, what is this? Yeah. Like Hart as the only like real human being who can just say, shut up. Yeah. Um, so I, I did like that. I was like, yes, thankfully. I did also like when he's in the elevator with Kingsman at the end. And he's talking about how much Kingsfield. class meant to Kingsfield. He's just like, you, you know, I'm just telling you, your class really meant something to me. Oh, what was your name? Do you think he did that? Um, do you think he knew him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's been calling on him all year. He yeah. knew who he was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I just think he's like, all right, well, I don't get connected with my students. So yeah. that's it. But do you think Houseman only teaches that one class? Excuse me. Kingsfield only teaches that one class? Kingsfield only teaches contracts. I doubt it. For for first year, my law guess students. would be like first years get contracts. He's got to teach other stuff. Yeah, he's I mean, gonna he see him again. With the president of the United States and yeah. secretary, he does more law. He's got to see him again, right? Can you uh, in the show? I can't imagine him being a first year for all four seasons. How about the fact that he is when he's at his desk and he's got like a hundred and fifty of those blue books and he's got a grade all those. I'm like, oh god, it's the job. Get a TA. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we needed to see the grade? Do you think we needed to see that Hart got an A? Because if Hart yes. doesn't care, should we have cared? I think we needed to see it because I know you don't know in the book, they don't tell you in the oh, book. Really? It ends the way it ends in the book, but they never tell you his grade. And you, but I think I, I think I spent an hour, almost two hours with it, with him. I needed right. to see what he got. Absolutely. I mean, I don't, 
I understand what you're saying about him not needing to see. And I think that's more like symbolic. Cause like, what if he does and he's, and he's, he just assumes that he graduates, you know, like, but whatever. Sorry, Hart, you've been here four years, but you didn't pass contracts. What? Year. You got to come back for another yeah. semester. I mean, I kind of wanted to know what everyone else got, but he's the main. So that's fine. I like that you didn't, because I think that would drag on too much. You see the result of, of hardcore failing uh, with Kevin. They and I don't think you need to see the in-betweens. They couldn't do a stand and deliver ending where they show you all the characters and their grades that they got on the mouth. <laughs> I would like to see Bill getting an F. I mean, <laughs> like shuffled off. They're just, they should just have like, you know, years from now, they should just do like uh, Bill works as a short order cook for like, you just stuff like, <laughs> he is such a pimp. You pimps. <laughs> so obviously you probably wouldn't recommend this film. Um, to people. Uh, it would be tough. I mean, if you really like film and you want to watch an older film that's well made, sure. But I don't think that it's something story wise you're going to connect with. It's just, hey, you like older films. Go ahead and watch this one, I guess. But I've got a bunch of other films from the 70s. You know, a few months later, go watch Serpico. Well, how about that? Well, how but, about this? I mean, sure. This if you're a law school student, absolutely watch the paper chase. Well, how about this? Um, and this is putting on the spot because I can't, I don't know the answer, but like, well, what, what story would you have people watch that's similar to this style of movie? Don't say Legally Blonde, but <laughs> uh, you know, like that. Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Um, that's, yeah. Anything that okay. takes place in a school, I guess. Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet Society for sure. Uh, it's just. There's really school ties. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Animal house taps. This is fucking beautiful, man. <laughs> <laughs> just anything that's 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 school related. Maybe that's a little bit more widespread, a little bit more general. You know, there's a lot of college stories out there that aren't necessarily geared what? toward their specific major, I guess. What's the one that uh, Picard's in? Masterminds. Never yes, mind. I already yep, got it. Yep. Masterminds. Sorry. Now I'm on school movies. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Without honors, did you say that one already? I did not With say Brendan Fraser. Honors. Yep, no, that's a little. Eh. Uh, he's a bomb. He's a lovable bomb. He, te- he teaches him how to be. That's Harvard too. Yeah, no. <laughs> with honors or without honors? With honors? With honors? It's with honors. Ooh, skulls is the. Uh... Oh god, that's a horror <laughs> film. <laughs> oh, I think also Harvard though. <laughs> no, that the skulls is Yale. Oh, is that his? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, closer to home. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's a well-made movie and it did. It didn't completely lose my interest. I just didn't know who it was for. And there's a lot of issues I have with the story, but it's, it's a, it is a really well-made film and well-acted. Yeah. So. I think it's an important film that uh, people who are, I think it's a good film to watch for storytellers for under, to understand how to tell a story. I think it's also, uh, I'm always got a, a proponent of watching older films because you should see how movies were told and stories were told in the different decades. Cause they all differ. There's all different sensibilities. Um, you know, it's, I just think it's before the birth of the blockbuster with jaws and sure, yeah. star Wars that are coming. So it's more of those type of films. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, you know, after the sixties, which were wild and it's, 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 you know, it's a bit more serious, you know, the, you've got movies that are the distrust of the government during that time. You've got, you know, it's just stuff like that. We talked, we talked about this con- with three days of the condor sure. and the conversation, our episodes there. So check those out. Um, but I think it's, I would definitely recommend my people that love movies and probably, I don't know if younger generation, unless they're into storytelling would dig it because they're probably like yourself, they might not connect to it. Maybe the older generation that forgot about it, that hadn't seen it yet, or, oh, I remember that, you know, that kind of thing. But sure. I hear what you're saying. It's it's a tough one. I can understand if people don't watch it, so that's fine. 
Not that I care. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess we're kind of answering our question about why we think it's forgotten. And uh, for that very reason, it's tough. It might not be a tough to connect kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I wonder if more people have seen the TV show than the movie and have come at it, at that, at this story that way. Uh, Timothy Bottoms is also not somebody that while he's an accomplished actor, he's not somebody that really kind of struck it big after this. The most accomplished actor from this film is Lindsay Wagner. Edward Herman. Edward Herman as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, those are the only two people I recognized right off the bat without having to look them up. Right. Uh, other than obviously John Houseman. I knew from three days because yeah. we talked about how he was yeah. in this film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Graham Beckel, I didn't really recognize, but you know him, younger, yeah. but I know when yeah. I see his IMDb page, I'm like, oh, he grows into this guy. He stands. Yeah. Or, yeah. In uh, LA confidentially. He, yeah. he's a character actor. I thought he was in more, but he's not. But when you see him now, he's a little overweight now and he's but, more recognizable. But you'll now, be like, yeah. I'm, I've seen that guy in this and he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. He's in a ton of stuff on TV too. So, um, but yeah, no, he's had a good little career. Uh, but yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. All right, Butler, let's wrap it up. Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all our other great podcasts uh, and videos and stuff that we do. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, YouTube, Google, all those kind of great places. Go ahead and like, rate, review, subscribe. All that kind of stuff helps our podcast grow. And join us at the lobby. Uh, Forgotten Cinema is the lobby on Facebook. Let us know. Uh, what you thought of the paper chase. If you've seen it, if you saw the TV show, because neither of us saw it, so maybe we'd like to know (laughs) what the differences are with the TV show to the movie right? uh, without having to watch it ourselves because we're lazy and we just don't have time for that. Yeah. (laughs) Join us next week. We're going to 1982. We're going to nine years later uh, before this, after this film into the 80s. We're going to see the uh, Eddie Murphy debut film, 48 Hours, the movie that made him a superstar. Right? Yes, that's I mean, what yeah, I'm saying. That or Saturday Night Live, yeah? I said the movie. I didn't say the TV. Come on. Saturday Night Live is not as pot big as it was now as it is back then. No, but back then it was big. Not as big as... Not, you can, You could not leave Saturday Night Live unless you quit to go be a movie star. You couldn't just Which shoot movies in between. True. Uh, but anyways, 48 Hours, that's next week. Uh, have a great week, everyone. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. You pimp. <laughs> you pimp. Smith Barney pimps. They've earned it. <laughs> <laughs>